Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 8 as we prepare for a deposit of what God has for us. Romans chapter 8. And I want to remind you as you're turning there of something that the Lord gave me as an assignment. It's a long-term assignment. You may be able to quote them with me, and I hope so by now, but if not, keep writing them down because we must keep these things in front of our eyes. He gave me um, a specific instruction in October of last year. He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. The walk of faith another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. He put those as, as um, equal explanations. The walk of faith, he's saying it is achieving another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And the scripture he gave me was Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4. It says, uh, in, in the King James, I have the Message Bible right here in my notes. The Message Bible, he says, you will clearly see the route to take. You've never been on this road before. It's the last part of that verse. He was, this is when they are preparing to enter into the promised land. The river's in front of them. And, and Joshua's giving instructions to keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant moved, they were to follow the Ark of the Covenant. And so he says, you're entering into the promised land, basically. That's where they were going, right? On the other side of that river was the promised land, and none of them had ever been there. It was what God had promised their fathers what God had promised the whole generation before them, and no one had ever entered in. And he said, I want you to enter in. I want you to get everything Jesus died for you to have. Here in the New Testament, that's what we would recognize. The promised land is everything that is ours by covenant. So he says, I want you to receive it all. I want you to enter in fully into the promises. And what does he say? You're going to have to keep your eyes on the moving of God's Spirit, on the presence of God. You're going to have to stay in tune with how He's moving. The Message Bible again says you will clearly see, if you'll keep your eyes, you'll clearly see the route to take. You've never been on this way before. The Amplified says, so that you may know the way you must go, for you have not passed this way before so that you will know the way you must go. So we know Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Bible says that God has prearranged and made ready for us paths, paths, good paths. He has prearranged and made ready for us the good life. And so to get to the good life, we follow the path. 
right? So how do we follow the path? We're going to have to walk in the spirit because the flesh will not find the path. (laughs) Carnal reasoning, the unrenewed mind won't find the path. For us to walk into the fullness and the promise and all that God has for us, we have to walk in the spirit. We have to walk the walk of faith and we need to be skilled in walking in the spirit because we have an adversary. The adversary is seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour anybody he pleases. He's looking for those who he can devour. And one of the things he's looking for is people who are on a different path, on a path that he has access to. And he has access to reasoning paths. He has access to carnal paths. He has access to, to those paths that are doing it outside of the leading of the Lord and the Word of God. He can get on that path with that person and, and cause uh, them to fall into a ditch. But if we're walking on the path of walking in the Spirit or the walk of faith, He has no access to our faith. He has no access. When we, he, there is a place in God where the wicked one touches you not. You know where it is? It's in Christ. In faith, in the Spirit. If I stay, he says that if I walk in love, I will not, I will not violate any of God's ways. And I, by walking in love, I'll be in a place where the enemy, he can't use fear against me because fear drives love out the door. or drives, uh, Love drives fear out the door. I got that backwards. Have mercy on people who speak in public. Fear is driven out by the love. The love of God drives the fear out. Have mercy. If I am walking in love, then that's an area that the enemy cannot hinder me. Amen? He cannot violate that love of God that that I'm working in. He cannot hurt me. So walking in the Spirit is more than meets the eye, you could say. Walking in the Spirit is not hard because you're built for it. You are designed for walking in the Spirit. You know, walking in the flesh becomes much harder in the long run because you're not built for the flesh. You're not built to walk in the flesh. You are born again, alive unto God. You are built to operate the love of God, to walk in His wisdom. You're built for it. And if you just take the time and the effort to learn the disciplines of walking in the Spirit, then you, you, you gain skill, and it becomes easy. It becomes your lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not hard. It's how we live. So we just have to be more skilled and developed in this walk of faith, in this walking in the Spirit, than we are in yielding to the flesh. You know, someone came to Charles Capps one time and said, Brother Capps, I've been listening to you talk about faith, and I've been listening to you talk about the power of my words, and I've been listening to you tell me I need to call things that be not as though they were. But it just seems like every time I, I try to say something by faith and make a faith declaration, it seems to take a long time before it ever comes to pass. But if I mess up and make a doubt statement, it happens right away. And, that, and then Brother K 
caps gave him some wisdom. Do you want to know the wisdom that he gave this person? Because have you ever found yourself saying some things and you're like, what I didn't want to come to pass? Boom, it's quick. He told that man, you are more highly developed in doubt than you are in speaking words of faith. If you'll just shift that, make that change, discipline yourself to believe what you say, discipline yourself to only say things you want to come to pass, then you become developed and your heart and your mouth connection works together more efficiently so that instead of you speaking what you feel or speaking what it looks like just because the pressure's on. And the reason that pressure is on because the pressure is the tool of the enemy to get that to come out of your mouth. Because it's not established in our lives until we open our mouth and establish it. We are the establishing. You don't even get saved unless you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Without that verbal authorization, Jesus won't even come in and Lord over you. So there has to be that verbal signing, that verbal authorization of faith. And that person who was talking to Brother Caps, their faith was in the worst and they were highly developed in their expectation that the very worst thing that could happen, they, they, they thought Murphy's Law was Bible. Murphy's Law is not operative in the life of the believer unless you're authorizing it. You know, that Murphy's Law, that, that, that one of the things that Murphy's Law is, if, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Oh, no, no, no. No. Do you see what we're developed in? I use that example for us to see that it's not just automatic because we gave our life to Jesus and, and he gave us new life. Now we've got to walk this life. We've got to grow. We've got to desire the sincere milk of the word so that we may grow thereby. We've got to let our senses be exercised so that we can discern between good and evil. We've got to let our spiritual man be educated. Do you know your spirit can be educated just like you can educate your mind? Your spirit can be educated just like you can train your body. And your body will have muscle memory. You know, that's the reason that those uh, basketball players will stand for hours and shoot at the free throw line just to gain that muscle memory of when to release the ball. And they, they, they don't become excellent at that game because they play it every once in a while. They play the same things over and over. They run the same drills over and over. They work those same principles over and over, shooting from the same place over and over because they want muscle memory. They want, they want their body to, to flow in a specific way every time. Well, you can train your spirit to flow in a specific way every time. You can train your spirit to respond a certain way every time. Just like in before Christ, before Christ, we may have had uh, issues with trusting people. Maybe we'd been done wrong and we had just made our determination. Ain't nobody ever going to talk to me that way again, right? And so whenever a person would respond a certain way by a trigger, 
It was just a response that we had, had practiced and practiced and our, our defenses would come up, our sassy mouth would start talking, we'd get that sharp tongue, you know, just giving those, those curt responses and answers. Why? Because we had trained ourselves to respond that way. It took a while for me to learn how to give a soft answer. I was not skilled in giving a soft answer, but I was skilled in giving an answer. But there was a whole new way to walk. When I started walking with the Lord, he's like, that doesn't fit you anymore. That does not fit you anymore. Coming out of your mouth, that is not appropriate. And so I had to learn how to, how to put that away. The Bible says put off the old man. I had to learn how to put off that response of, of criticism or sassiness or, or defending myself. I had to put that off and I had to learn how to respond out of love. That is one of the greatest keys to walking in the Spirit. Let every response you give, whether it's on the job when somebody speaks to you uh, uh, inappropriately, whether it is in your marriage relationship with your children, if you will learn to answer with the love response, you will be walking in the Spirit. I'm not talking about the emotional love that you feel it, because love is kind. So that's how you respond. Love is patient. That's how you respond, right? And usually you don't feel kind or patient in those moments. You don't, that's not the option you would choose just by, you know, previous experience. Kind and patient's not on my radar right now, Lord. He said, you're looking at the wrong equipment. You're looking at your carnal equipment where you always found your self-preservation and your self-defense mode, quit looking at that carnal equipment and start looking in your spirit. Because in your spirit, you'll find out the soft answer turns away the wrath. Casting down imaginations. All of those things in the spirit. Uh, uh, be anxious for nothing. That's a spiritual response. Your flesh loves to worry. Flesh loves worry. Flesh loves to worry. Flesh loves to just, just agonize in that anxiety and how are we going to fix this and until your whole body is responding to those thoughts of worry. So that if that worry has now raised your blood pressure, it's got your stomach all in knots, you can't go to sleep. Right? Because of that worry. So the, that's the flesh. If you find yourself worrying, you, you know this. Know this. It's not your spirit leading you to worry. And so to worry, we have to violate the leading of our born-again spirit who is guided by the Holy Spirit because whenever the option comes, we need to ch choose which radar we're going to look at. When the option to worry comes, I have to look at the radar the equipment that shows me what should I do from a spiritual perspective. And from a spiritual perspective, I will trust in the Lord. I will cast my care upon him because he cares for me. I, with everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, I will make my request known to God. And then I'm going to give him thanks. I'm going to enter into that gratitude. And his peace is then able to guard my heart and my mind. If I haven't made my petition known 
with thanksgiving. If you're thanking God, you believe you've received it. So if I haven't made my petition known and then followed that up with, I have it, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, then I'm going to let that worry just keep pulling itself back through the process of my mind and then I'm going to be on that hamster wheel for days. Trying to find out how do I get off this hamster wheel of worry. Because if I'll choose the spiritual response first, I'll never waste my energy on the hamster wheel. If I'll, if I'll learn to practice the spiritual response. So I've given a few different e- examples here. A spiritual response of walking in love. A spiritual response of casting my care upon the Lord, trusting in Him and refusing to worry. These spiritual responses require practice. When a uh, police officer or a first responder, a fireman, a police officer, an EMT, when they are learning what to do in those situations, they train. They they go through, this is what we're going to do. If you get called to a four-alarm fire, this is what you are to do. This is the first thing you do. This is what you're to look for. This is how you are. This is the equipment you need to get. This is where you need to go in the building first. They have specific strategies of how they're going to respond to that fire. They don't get to the fire and say, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know what to do. Somebody tell us what to do. They're the ones who they have to know what to do before they get there. You know, those, those EMTs. They get the phone call, the, the, the radio uh, transmission telling them, you need to go to this address. There is a cardiac arrest in progress. And, and so they put the GPS in. One person starts the vehicle. They're driving towards the place. The other person is, I've been watching, I've been watching ambulance, y'all. <laughs> they, they've got the, they're, they're, and the other person is, taking the the person who is put the GPS coordinates in, not the driver, this person is also getting the information that's coming in from the 911 operator that tells them exactly the age, the condition, what's going on. And so they're planning the whole time. They're talking to each other the whole time. They, They are saying, now, okay, when we get there, you get this equipment, I'm going to get this equipment, you start the, making sure the airway is open, you start putting on the uh, necessary equipment to shock the heart if we need to. They've got a plan before they ever arrive on the scene. We need some plans. We need some strategies is what I'm trying to say. We don't need to have situations come up. And listen, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, He will prepare us in advance. I have found there are things that I was studying on, things, scriptures that He would lead me to in my morning devotionals that I would end up needing in the next day or two. And I was so glad that I had spent that time with the Lord and He was able to put in me what I needed before I encountered the adversity. 
The Bible says that he will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able to bear. In other words, he knows what you are capable of because he's your personal trainer. He's been working with you night and day. He's been preparing you. He knows you can overcome it. And so if you find yourself in a situation, you can be assured. It's a guarantee that when you walk into that situation, God knows you've got in you through the power of his word and his spirit, you've got in you what it takes to overcome and remain victorious. You are never in a position of trying to get victory. For me to try to get my husband to marry me would put us at a disadvantage because he's already married me. I could beg him to marry me. But what more can he do than he has not already done? I could say, I've got the, uh, uh, I've got the, the minister here. We're going to redo our vows. That's not going to make me any more married than I already am. Amen. God can't make you any more victorious than you already are in Christ. He has given you the victory. All we do is maintain the victory. We deal with every situation from that point of I'm in Christ. I am victorious in Him. So this situation, I'm not under the pressure of it. It's under my pressure. It's under the victory. It's under my feet. I'm not under the circumstance. I'm in Christ, and in Him I live, and in Him I move, and in Him I have my being, and in Christ I have victory already. I don't have to try to get it. I don't have to try to win. I've walked into the ring, the, the champion. I'm more than a conqueror. Did, you, did we sing that today? More than a conqueror, more than victorious. That's Bible. We don't always feel it. That's why you can't check the feeling radar. The feeling radar is not your go-to. It is not your, your reliable information because today you're in Christ. And so you've got to look at a different radar and that feeling radar has to take low priority. It, it's not what I'm going to to determine any decisions. What do I feel like doing? What do I feel like eating? What do I need to eat? What do I need to do right now? Because feel like could be slouching on the couch. But need to could be something totally different, right? Hallelujah. So I walk in the spirit, a walk of faith. We're practicing some things. We're learning our responses. We're finding out what do I need to do on a daily basis that's going to put me in a position of preparation when I encounter things that are on my path, things that are, because this earth is operating under a curse, there are things that I deal with that I need to know how to deal with them from my position of victory in Christ. That's the walk in the Spirit. That's the walk of faith. So God gave us five specific things. He said, know the leading with the certainty. Practice obedience. 
Develop humility and the love walk. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. Trusting in God, His ways, and His word are safeguards. And these five things, we have been uh, focusing on different aspects of them since October. Today, I want to go back to one of the first ones in this list and the first one that we talked about that October morning when God had spoken this to me. And I want to go back to um, how we're doing in his leading, how we're doing at following. Because his leading, there's no comparison. He doesn't need to come up in his level of leading. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that God knows he's like the best leader ever? He knows how to lead me individually, you individually. He knows how to lead us excellently. He does not need to be a better communicator or a better leader. We are the ones who are learning to follow. And that's the difference is because if we're waiting on him to lead us, we're in the wrong position already. He's waiting on us to follow. He's leading. He's leading. Are we following? So Romans chapter 8, let's look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Anna, do I happen to have Young's Living loaded back there on our pro presenter? I want to read it from the Young's Living because I think it flips the way that it says it. It, it may not be loaded. I don't think I've ever asked anybody for it or, or taken the time to load that version on there. So let me pull it up for you on my... Uh, Bible app here, Romans 8 and 14 in Young's Living. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, I'm looking for the translation that says, for as many as by the Spirit of God are led. It might be the Weiss translation that does that. Led by the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God they are led. The way that the original Greek um, forms the sentence, it has him out front. By the Spirit of God are led. Because the imagery of this verse is that he's the one out front and we are following behind. um, Have you ever led an animal? Not only do I like ambulance shows, I like a lot of vet shows, animal shows too. And so I was watching Dr. Pohl, the, the vet, and he, was, he had a new horse. A, a horse had just foaled. And so he, he has a baby horse that they're training. And so for that first year, when he gets ready to start training that horse, that little baby horse, how to follow They tie it to its mother and lead the mother. Because it is so, it is something that they have to learn. 
Now you may have, have any, have y'all ridden a horse before? Did you have to train it? When somebody else did the training. Most of us have, our horses were trained by somebody else who already taught them those things that we take for granted they're going to know. And we don't realize that in the beginning of their life, they don't know how to follow. It is against their nature to, to follow that, that pressure or that pull on their head. And so they have that halter over their head. And so the way that they were training this young baby horse, this foal, to know how to follow the lead was to tie it to its mother. And when she walked, it would walk. And within a matter of moments... They were able to lead the mother and the colt all the way around the, the, the field. And so that training of learning to follow is something that we've got to recognize as our part. When I first got saved, you know, before Christ, I was under the bondage of addiction. And addiction drove me. It told me what to do. It pushed me. It pressured me. It was, it was constant, day and night, against my mind and everything. My, what I did with my money, addiction told me what to do with my money. What I did with my time, addiction told me what to do with my time. It was a slave master. It was driving me with a fierce uh, 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 pressure against my mind. And then I get born again and I'm free and I'm not quite sure what to do because I've been under this pressure telling me what to do. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, if you would just make me, just make me do it. Just make me read my Bible. Just make me. He's, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you, but you're going to follow. I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to pressure you. It was such a contrast for me. And it was such a different way that I was having to learn instead of me always just doing what I was told, doing what I was forced to do, so to speak. Now I'm in Christ. Now I'm alive unto God. I'm a child of God. I'm free and I don't know how to follow. I had to learn how to follow. How do I follow your lead? And so it was a, an area of learning for me. So that's why I'm bringing it up to you today. If you're waiting on God to drive you forcefully and push you to do things, he won't. You'll, he, you'll just be waiting. <laughs> He's not going to force us to do anything. He will prompt us. He will encourage us. He will, he will invite us. He'll lead us. He'll say, I'm right here. I'll show you how to do it. But he's not going to make us do it. So that's why we've got to come with an interest. We've got to say, I want to be a better student because I know you're a great teacher. <laughs> now, we are in need of this so much that God knew we didn't need a part-time teacher. We didn't need a teacher who was off campus. He put the teacher we need in us. Why did he do that? 
Why did he put the teacher in us to live with us 24-7? Because we need him 24-7. We need him. Listen, God was, listen, you are set up for success. If you'll find out what he has equipped you with, you are set up for success. He put the third person of the Godhead in us. So that we could have whatever answers we need from God. Whatever help we need from God. Whatever direction we need from God. We don't have to get an appointment. We don't have to to go through a a metal scanner to get to Him. We don't have to have a security pat down or a background check to get to Him. He's in us. Hallelujah. He is a resident teacher. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and find out one of the important aspects of why God placed the Spirit of God in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's look at verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And I want to talk about this because um, if you just look at this, you think, uh, okay, he's quoting something as it is written. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, and so we don't get it. We can't see it, we can't hear it. He's talking about it doesn't come by natural means. It doesn't come by reasoning. It doesn't come by figuring it out. It doesn't come through through things that you've seen or things that you've been taught. The things God has prepared for us are spiritual. And so they're not going to be identified on carnal equipment with carnal scanners and carnal radars. For us to identify what God has given us, we're going to have to allow His Spirit, not just our spirit, because my spirit without Him won't see it. His Spirit has to reveal to my spirit what God has prepared for me. So this, this process, though, now think about this. Eye seeing, ear hearing, entering the heart, where else do we see that? Matthew 13, at the parable of the sower. They said, why do you tell these people all these parables? Why are you teaching in parables? And Jesus said, because their eyes they have shut, their ears have become dull of hearing, and their hearts aren't receiving. But if at any time they were to see with their eyes, and at any time they were to hear with their ears, and it would enter into their heart, and they would turn or be converted then I would heal them or save them or rescue them. It's the word salvation, soteria. So how does the salvation get to them? By the seeing and the hearing and the entering into the heart. Where else do we see it? Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4.20 says, Attend to my word. Incline your ear to hear it. Don't let it depart from in front of your eyes. Keep them, guard them, deposit them up in your heart because they're life. 
and medicine to all your flesh. Life to all that find them, medicine to all your flesh. So the seeing eye and the hearing ear and the understanding heart is a process. But we, we can't look at natural, you can't, you can't see and hear the things of the Spirit, the things of God, by seeing um, Andy Griffith. I'm going to choose that because if I say the news, we all know. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Ugh, right? We all know. That's bad. All right, so I'm just going to pull something. Waltons, Andy Griffin. Andy Griffith, uh, uh, Gunsmoke, whatever it may be. I'm not going to get revelation seeing and hearing and understanding the, the plot with Matt and Festus. There's no revelation in Matt and Festus, right? But if I'm seeing and hearing the Word of God, that's how God had to get it into the heart so that people can be born again. Because the unregenerate person can't see God without it coming through the understanding of what God has done. But So our inheritance in Christ. You can't look at natural things and see your inheritance in Christ. You have to let this... Spiritual substance. This is spiritual substance. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit, they are life. You have to let this spiritual substance begin to reveal to you and the Holy Spirit will bring life to the Word and help you see what belongs to you in Christ. The Bible says we're heirs of the world. The, The blessing of Abraham... That he would be the heir of the world. Jesus is the heir of all things. And we are joint heirs with him. How can you see that without the word showing it to you? And revealing it to you? So this process when he says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into, we could say, the natural heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But you can't stop there because it's not a complete it's not a complete uh, thought. God, but God has revealed them. So just accept that right now. God has revealed them. They're not hiding. It's not a mystery. It's not past finding out. There are things God has prepared for us. And God has revealed them. How has he revealed them? I want to know what God has prepared for me. I want to know. I don't want to give it. I don't want to get to heaven and go, surprise, surprise. Golly. Golly. All of that was mine. All of that was mine. And I didn't have any access to it because I lacked the knowledge. God has revealed them. What has He revealed? The things that He has prepared for us who love Him. He has revealed them, but now we need to learn how to read the radar. All right, so 
I was watching this, this ambulance show and they take them into the MRI and then they're showing the MRI. Have y'all ever seen what the MRI looks like? Yeah. And I want to know how long do you have to go to school to learn how to read that MRI? Because it just looks like a bunch of circles moving around when they're, they're looking at the inside of the brain, right? The in, inner organs to see if there's any uh, uh, blood uh, that, that may be interior bleeding or something like that or, or bleed on the brain. But they can look. But when you just look at that radar of what they're pulling up on that MRI, it just looks like a bunch of circles moving in and out because they're moving over it or whatever. How do you read that? Eight years. Eight years. Well, it does not take you eight years to learn how to pick up the things of the Spirit. (laughs) Woo, mercy. Praise God. For us to be able to, we just have to start turning over to the radar of the Spirit and saying, show me what God has for me. Show me what's prepared for me. Show me how I need to respond in this situation. Show me the plans I need to be focused on right now. Show me what I should be learning to prepare me for my future. Show me what I need to believe for. You know, there's a a lot of, of teaching in the body of Christ about vision boards and, and, you know, put it up in front of your eyes. And that is accurate, but make sure it's what God wants for you. Because you might have something on that board that's not God's best for you. So you can't get all your carnal desires and pictures of them and paste them up on that board and meet the path that God has for you. You got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to know how to hear and respond and be willing to submit when he says, that's not my best for you. I've got something better and it might take a two years longer to get it to you, but it's still better. Amen. And so it's, it's possible for you to keep something up there in your eyes Something that you're constantly rolling around in your mind. Something that you are contemplating or, or thinking about. And your spirit reach out and grab it. And it not be what the Holy Spirit meant for you. And the book of James talks about... Let, let me read it to you exactly. Because this is an area that we want to... We want to learn how to be open-handed with things in our prayer life so that we're saying, Lord, this, I'm willing for you to move it out of my hand if you don't want me to have it. In in James, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, heart, this man's religion is in vain. It's possible to call for things that you want out of your own car, out of the, out of just an idea. It's, it's, it's possible for you to call for things and use your words and keep saying things and deceive your heart. So what do we need? What's the answer? Bridle, bridle. Bridle your tongue. 
so that what I'm speaking is what I know God has either identified for me in His Word or what He's spoken to me specifically. Hallelujah. That's why, let me just, because I'm, I'm just sensing the presence of the Spirit just to stay right here for a minute. That's why we don't want to make quick decisions. We want to pray out things until we, we reach peace. Now, if you don't have peace, you can't pray till you get peace. If you, don't, if you don't practice peace, if you don't, let me say it this way. If you don't know what peace is, how are you going to know when it comes? If life, if your life has so much turmoil and chaos and, and so much pressure and, and deadlines and push, 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 run, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. If your life is in that constant state with no, no peace and no rest, it will be hard for you to pray into a place of peace where a prayer concern is. We've got to, we've got to maintain the peace of our heart. We've got to get ourselves in a place where we have that. He leads us beside still waters. He leads us into green pastures. He leads us into those places, not, not waterfall rushing that could grab you and take you downstream. It's those still waters. There needs to be that flow of the spirit of rest and quiet in your life where you are able to hear. Because if your life is so... Um, full, so loud, it will be difficult to hear him, his still small voice. It will be difficult to know peace if you live in a constant flow of chaos. And so with that being said, there are things that we should be praying out in advance, things that we should be talking to God about in prayer in advance. If, we're, if our prayer life is a constant retaliation against what the enemy is doing, we're behind. If we're constantly, if we're praying in response to what he's doing, what the enemy's doing to us, around us, praying about situations that have already, they're already in progress, we're behind. Because he wants to have us out ahead of it. When we really begin to learn to pray and get, get those things covered in prayer, then he'll, he'll have us praying some things out before they come up. He'll, he'll put some things uh, uh, to make us aware of before they even crop up in our life. God does not want you to be caught off guard about anything. He does not want, he will show you things to come. Is that what, what the Holy Spirit does, John 16? He will show you things. Well, when is he going to show you? If we, have, if we don't give him time in prayer, when is he going to show us? Do you remember? You remember what I said? If you come to me and you say, Pastor Michelle, I want to show you some of the sights. And I say, okay, you've got 10 minutes. You can drive me five minutes out and five minutes back. I'm not going to see much. I won't be able to see much if I only give you 10 minutes to show me. Right? And if we only give the Holy Spirit this little portion of our life, 
If we only talk to God this little portion of our moment while we're brushing our teeth and combing our hair and trying to get our shoes on while we're running down the stairs, slipping your shoes on while you're taking the stairs, right? If, if we're all in that hurry, he's trying to, he's like that, that uh, assistant following along that boss saying, well, do you remember that this is going to happen? Do you remember this and do you remember that? He's not, he's not able to get across to us adequately and efficiently what he wants to prepare us for. So this, this lifestyle of walking in faith, this lifestyle of walking in the Spirit, this learning how to follow requires that I give investment of my time. What is the most valuable thing you have in your life? Time. Who is, the most, who is the most effective person to spend your time with? God. Because he's going to load you up with answers. He's going to fill you up with strength and encouragement. You're going to walk out of his presence, or and you don't leave his presence, but you know what I mean? You're going to walk out of that time, that specific time, with so much light, you'll know what to do, how to do it. You'll have strategies, plans. You'll, you'll have things that you're working on and knowing about for the future. Hallelujah. God knows how to get you out of debt. He's got a, a hundred thousand ways to get you out of debt, and you only need one of them. God knows how to get us out of debt. So how am I going to find out? I need to be spending time with him. I need to be talking to him about it. I need to be letting him lead me. Just go ahead and put all of, take, take out your bills. Don't hide from them. Don't hide from them. Take those bills out, open them up, make the list, set them before God and say, Lord, you are my Lord. I do what you tell me to do. My finances don't look like you're Lord over them. I want my finances to look like you are lording over them. So to do that, what's going to have to happen? He's going to have to tell us and we're going to have to do what he tells us where our money's concerned. Hallelujah. That's not going to happen without that conversation. You're not going to get the information that you need from him without seeking him for it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. We've got to go to him and say, Father, I, and here's, here's the limit. Here's the limit. Lord, just bless me. I want to pay all these bills off. Just bless me. No, you need more wisdom than that. The blessing is there, but something is hindering it from having its perfect fulfillment in your life. And it's a lack of wisdom. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about us. We need the wisdom of God in our finances in our, every area of my life, I've had to let God be Lord of it. I've had to, and you know what that means, is he's going to tell me some things and I may not want to do them. The first time I gave my husband a soft answer, it was not what I wanted to do in my flesh. I didn't want to do it. I had no fun. 
in that moment. Well, he is red in the face, and you heard us talk about his anger and, and my, my mouth. And so they, they complimented each other, his anger and my mouth, my answer. And so uh, that day, he was, we were in full-out fight mode, right? Arguing, top of our voice, uh, red in the face. And the Lord said to me, what have I been telling you to do? Because I've repented a lot of times. Lord, I egged him on. I was the nagging woman that the Bible warns everybody about. I was that woman following him through the house. Hallelujah. I was that woman that the Bible warned my husband about. And so I had repented. And every time I would repent, God would say, you need to have a soft answer. You need to speak words of kindness. Proverbs 31 says the law of kindness is in the, the mouth of the Proverbs 31 woman. And so I had to look for that law and put it clamped down over my tongue. That law of kindness, a soft answer that turns away wrath. But the moment I did it, every bit of anger it, it, it just melted from the room. The moment I gave that soft answer and he was screaming and, and, and I turned around and said, Philip Steele, and I had heard Gloria Copeland say this, so... It, it, Thank you, Lord, for the women who, who go before us and teach us the, the way we should walk. I said, Philip Steele, I will find a way to be a blessing to you. And it unplugged all of the anger in the whole room. I meant it. I wasn't just saying it out of... There was a sincerity in my voice. I will find a way to be a blessing to you. A spiritual response changed the spiritual flow of the whole situation. A spiritual response is going to change the, the whole direction. That the, the, the circumstance is trying to push it in one direction the pressure, all of the emotions, all of the fear of rejection, self-preservation, all of those carnal things that are operating become nothing. They become null and void when the spiritual flow takes precedent. That's what we're looking for. Amen. We want to practice those spiritual flows. So we want the things that we're reaching for to be what God is designing for us. We want the things that we are are daily uh, endeavoring to be those things that God is leading for us because His supply is in the things He's already chosen. His supply is there. You don't have to try to pay for it if He's already provided it. Amen? So we need to find out what He's provided. Let's go back and let's finish in 1 Corinthians 2. God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So that is how they are revealed. The answers are already there. All that you need to see and enough to keep you responding, wow, wow, what, wow, glory to God, hallelujah. There's enough to keep you in that mode for the rest of eternity. The things he has prepared for us, but how are we going to see them? 
we're going to need to go to his spirit to get this revelation. So verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but we have received, you could say, the spirit which is of God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. These things already exist, and they're already in our account. You know, for me to see what's in my account at Simmons Bank, I have to go on the Simmons app. I have to either call and get them to the, the automated response where they will tell me the transactions that have gone, the deposits that have been made in my current balance, or I can go on my app and I can look at all of the activity in my account. And for you to see what, what has been deposited in your account of the Spirit, you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit reveal to you, just like that app reveals to me what's in my earthly account, there is a, an interaction with the Holy Spirit that He reveals to us. It's an ongoing interaction because you can't get it all in one explanation. He, well, all that God has for you, He can't explain it to you in five minutes, in one word, in one sentence, in one paragraph. It's going to take him. You're going to have to be able to understand this so that you, he, you'll even get it when he tells you what's, what else is in there. Right. You've got to understand the righteousness you are in Christ before you'll ever, ever get what it means to be justified. And all that is yours because you're justified. All that is yours because you're righteous. I mean, it took, there's, the Proverbs is full of things that belong to, wealth and riches are in the, in the house of the righteous. Amen? And so you've got to have that revelation of the righteousness, and then you begin to see those verses in a whole new light. But before, those didn't, those didn't comprehend because that's not me. That's not me. I didn't see it as, as something that related to me. Until he taught me that I am the righteousness of God because Jesus was made sin for me. Hallelujah. So in, in other words, you can't understand algebra if you, ha- if you can't do your multiplication table. They're not going to take you. You're not going to do well in algebra if you're still struggling with addition and subtraction. So they might as well. To help you, the best thing is go back and rehearse the addition, the subtraction, the multiplication, so that you can understand the algebra. And you won't understand all of the things that are created or prepared for us by God at one time. It's progressive. The more I learn, the more I learn. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know and need to learn more. I began to see how big and expansive His plan for me is. So... Verse 12, we have received the Spirit which is of God so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Finally, verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's what he was saying in, the, in verse 9. It's not with the unrenewed mind. It's not with the natural eye. It's a spiritual receiving. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So don't get upset if people look at you crazy because you say you tithe. They're going to be, you what? You need, what? 
You're giving that what? Tithe. They don't understand why we lift our hands, why we say hallelujah, why we give him praise. That's not the natural person doesn't understand that, although they have no problem painting their face red and going to a game and saying, Woo, pig suey. But y'all think I'm funny by saying hallelujah? I'm not hating on the, the, pay, the, the ooh, pig suey. I'm just saying they don't understand why I dance. And they don't understand why I lift my hands. And they don't understand why I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And this is what I wanted us to see. This discerning, this discerning means to examine. They are spiritually examined. So this is what we need to start, this is something we are going to do. We are going to examine things. It means to examine. It means to investigate, to scrutinize, to check closely or inspect. He says the things of God are to be examined. The things of God are to be spiritually examined, spiritually investigated, spiritually scrutinized. Why? He wants me to, you know, when... When you take a diamond or an emerald, you don't see the real beauty of that diamond and the emerald, but as much as you could, but if you have a jeweler's eye, y'all ever seen the jeweler's eye? You put it up here on your eye and you look closely, you will see aspects of that diamond that are not visible just to the natural eye. But when you begin to look at them, scrutinize that diamond with that jeweler's eye, you see, you see how it was cut. You see how it was formed. You see how it was shaped. And you, you begin to see aspects of its beauty that you couldn't see before. And God wants you to be looking at the things he has prepared for you with that spiritual jeweler's eye so that you can see who you are as a son, a child, a daughter of God, who you are in his plan, what you have in him, what you can do in him. And when you begin to scrutinize by looking with the spiritual eye, you'll begin to see things. He reveals things. He shows you things that you won't see without having that interest and giving that attention to it. Father, we're so thankful if you would, please, just take this moment to bow your head with me. Just uh, turn your heart towards the Lord and recognize that He has something for you. He has such an understanding, a clarity, a certainty. He wants us to be certain about His leading, about His plan.